Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. I'm going to tell you a story. And I, the first time I came across this story, I found it, you know, when, uh, 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 and, and the story kind of goes this way. There was this church in England, an Anglican church, and it had the statue of Jesus with outstretched arms. And there was an inscription on the bottom that said, Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's Matthew eleven twenty-eight. And then uh, the Nazis bombed Germany, and the church got destroyed in that in the bombing. And then the hands uh, were destroyed in that statue. And so when the people from the church came, they uh, thought, well, what should we do? We can rebuild the statue. And they decided to leave the hands off and, and just change the inscription that we are his hands. And so I, I thought, well, that's a great story. I'm going to share that. And I just did. But I thought, I got to find this picture because, you know, we're living in the information age, but it's also a misinformation age. And I, I wanted to find out, is this really accurate? So I did the research. And there was another story that was similar, but this story took place in Germany at a church with the same deal. I'm thinking, okay, is it Germany? Is it London? And then the research I finally came to to find out that King Catholic Church in San Diego, California, had a statue of Jesus with outstretched arms. And it was, the hands were broken off by vandals back in like 1980. And so they changed the inscription to say, we are his hands. And so that's the legit story. But so if you come across those other stories, you know, uh, do your homework, you know. Uh, and those of you that are students, uh, you know you need to do your research to make sure that what you're saying or proposing is accurate and right information. So, um, and I just checked it out this morning. I said, I need, to, I need to make sure this story is right. And I'm trying to find this picture of the statue. And, and then I came to discover some other things. So realize that we are the body of Christ. And if Jesus is going to move, it's going to be through our feet. It's going to be through our hands. If, if Christ is going to serve on this earth, it's going to be through the church, through his body. And that's you and me. And the key verse that we're looking at this month is found in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. If, if you have your Bibles turned there, and I'm going to actually be sharing this from the Message Bible. 1 Corinthians 1227. And it starts out by saying, You are Christ's body. That's who you are, with emphasis, exclamation mark. You must never forget this, okay? Are you getting the point so far? Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. Wow. I think that's very well put. When we think, first of all, the reality and understanding as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, that we are his body. Now, that's a spiritual reality, and sometimes it's confusing because we try to relate that in, in the terms of the natural. And so uh, we need to, in, to build that picture to give us an understanding of what it really means to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. The fact is God wants to use you significantly to make a difference in this earth. And, you know, that's not only a privilege, but that's an honor. 
to know that God would use me, an imperfect person, to make a difference, to, to be used by him to reach out to hurting humanity. Wow. To make a difference. In fact, Jesus said, even if you give a cup of cold water to someone in my name, you won't lose your reward. There's something significant, even in that small deed of kindness, that small act of kindness, that you're making a difference in somebody's life. And so a number of years ago, I was part of um, a, a program uh, where a sister city church, Rostov, of uh, Russia, that it, there were similarities in the, in the two cities, here's Stevens Point and, and Russia, the Rostov. And so they were putting together this uh, this this. Uh, container where they're going to send all this stuff. And there were people in, in, that, in the group, why, why are we spending all this money? This isn't going to hardly make a dent in what's really needed over there. And, and then um, I stood up and I just said, well, you know, and I shared what I just shared with you. Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, then you won't lose your reward. So even in the small things, even if you think you're just making a small impact, every time I go to Africa, you know, I think, what can I, one person, do with such great need that's all around me? But yet being there, I'm making a difference in at least one person's life or more than one person's life. And so you can't always measure, well, this isn't going to really make an impact. But if you're impacting one person, you're making a difference in this world. If you can change one life, you're making a difference in this world, okay? And so, now, I want to pray. I, I didn't pray yet, but we want to pray as we continue with this message. Let's join our faith together. Heavenly Father, give us open eyes, open minds, open hands, and open hearts so we can live out this narrative of being the very hands and the feet of Jesus on the earth. We thank you for giving us wisdom and inspiration through the Scriptures so that we can truly identify with our role and to come to know your purpose for us as believers. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this month, we're going to go out on a limb. Okay? Have you, have you heard that idiom or that phrase used before? And really, it's an idiom for difficult or awkward or vulnerable positions. Now, it's really kind of a dangerous place to be, to get out on the limb. And I admit I was a tree climber. And I say was because I haven't climbed any trees lately. But I always, as a young man growing up, I would see a tree and it was a challenge to me. I'm going to climb that tree. And I would climb that tree and we had woods on the farm that we lived in. And there were some pretty massive oak trees there in those woods. And so I would purpose to climb to the highest point possible in that tree. And I can remember one time really being out on the limb and swaying and realizing, okay, I think I've gone too far. And I, then I look down and I realize, oh, no. And I, I'm up probably about 40 feet high and I'm thinking, you know, uh, this is not good. And, and I had to, you know, get myself back in the position where I could get to the main trunk and work my way down. But our son Nathan, and he's around here somewhere, probably hiding in the sound booth. Right there, his hand goes up. Uh, he too, I think he inherited that from me. He became a tree climber. And in our front yard, we had this pine tree that was probably about maybe 30 feet high. It was, you know, in pine trees, they're straight and they have lots of little branches. 
And so he was, correct me on this, was he five or six, something like that? About that age right there. And so Nathan goes missing. You know, you know, he was the adventurous kind of kid that would, and we had a pretty big yard, so, you know, he would be somewhere in the yard. He knew not to go on the road, and he knew to stay on our property, even at that age. And so Nathan goes missing, and we're looking around, so I start calling, and I hear his little voice. And I'm looking all around the yard. I don't see him, but then I look up, and here he is on the top of that pine tree. Now, he was at the very top, and he's hanging on like this, and he's just swaying at the... <laughs> his little body, I'm saying, oh, Lord, help us. Heaven, help us. <laughs> and I said, Nathan, what you doing? <laughs> he said, I'm climbing the tree. You know, okay. Okay, it's time to come down now, Nathan. And so I had to coax him down. Because, you know, sometimes you can get up in those places, then you don't know how to get back down. But he managed to get down, and he is fine. And so, but, and my heart kind of returned to normal level there. But it started racing for a little bit. But anyway, so sometimes we can get out on the limb. And really, in this series, I want us to purpose to get out on the limb when it comes to extending the love of Jesus to the world around us. Um, see, a, a limb is a part or a member of a body distinct from the head and the trunk, uh, such as a, a leg or arm or a wing. If you're a bird, that's considered a limb. A limb also is a large main branch of a tree. In fact, uh, the, the limb of the tree is what bears the fruit. That's where the fruit shows up. Or it's the home for birds to build their nest. It's, it's the place where birds perch. They, you know, up, are up there. Squirrels run around on, on, on limbs and, and that. And so we, we see a picture in John 15 where Jesus portrays the allegory of him being the vine in a, in a, in a vineyard and we being the branches that spring forth from the vine. And, and the real essence of that is we need to be connected to the vine. We need to be connected to the trunk. And so that we can thrive, so that we can survive. And so, and when we, when we look at this message today, entitled Without Words, the title of, of part one of this series is not intended for you to go mute, okay? Or to be silent. Now, that might be a good thing for some of us, okay? To be honest with you. But it's intended for us to focus and consider what we do through our actions more so than what we do through our speech or our words. Because we want to focus this morning on the actions, the outcome of what you actually do. And so there's, there's uh, three points we're going to share with you. And let me, let me just share this, that being an example in what we do rather than what we say must be seen as a greater priority. In fact, uh, if what you say does not line up with what you do, there's a contradiction, okay? And so that's, that's what we often have to work on because we may have good intentions, we may say good things, we may make promises, but we don't always follow through on those promises. But it's the action that follows our words is, is what's really important. So the three points that I wanna, want you to consider in this message, number one, actions speak louder than words. You can write that down if you're taking notes. And you've probably heard that Growing up, how many of you heard that growing up, actions speak louder than words? That's very common in our culture, in our society. But there's a quote here by uh, Alexandra Leyland, and she states, actions speak louder than words. 
Words cost nothing. Actions can cost everything. Okay, and I, I kind of like that like, because we we often discredit ourselves when our actions don't line up with our words. Have you ever done that? I'm, I'm guilty of that. We're all probably guilty of that. How often are we guilty of, of saying one thing and then doing another? We make promises, but we break that promise. We don't live up to that promise. We may have a good intention, but there's not always follow through. That's where we need the grace of God. That's where we need God to infuse us with his nature so that we can begin to reflect his nature uh, externally through our actions. First John 3.18, and I love this verse. I'm going to share this in the NIV and also the message. In the NIV, the New International Version, it reads this way. Dear children, let us not love with words. Now, in the real understanding of this, only with words. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So actions and in truth. A truth-based action is, is significant that really makes an impact, okay? And so... We, we understand that Ephesians 4.15 says we're to speak the truth in love, okay? And, but yet it's our actions that really are going to connect with the world around us and people around us. Now people, have you heard this saying, people don't care how much you know unless they know that you care? You know, you may be a know-it-all, you may be an expert on everything, but people don't really care so much about your level of knowledge as they do about how much you care for them and are looking at making a difference to, to help somebody in their need or help somebody in their situation. The Message Bible reads this way in 1 John 3.18. It says, My children, let us not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality. It's also the way we shut down deliberating self-criticism, even when there's something to it. For God is greater than all of our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. And so uh, I, I think that really captures the essence of this as well. We don't just talk about love. We need to practice real love. We really need to. Um, Tim Hiller, uh, in a quote from him, from a, ma a message he shared entitled Strive, states, external actions are evidence of internal beliefs. I'll say that again. External actions are evidence of internal beliefs. Our deeds are what show our creeds. I like that. Because, and that goes back in the abundance of the heart. You know, not only does the mouth speak, but the life will act that out. Uh, Benjamin Franklin stated, well done is better than well said. You know, I like that. Do you like that? So, number one, actions, your actions will speak louder than your words. Okay? Number two, we are to model Jesus' example. Point number two, we are to model Jesus' example. Have you ever seen the bracelet WWJD? Have you, have you, were you in that craze? Were you in that time where those little rubber band bracelets were out? WWJD, what does that stand for? What would Jesus do? Yeah, okay. And that caused 
people. It provoked them to think about what would Jesus do if he were in the situation you were in and facing a, a, a situation. And, and so you think, oh, wow, well, what would Jesus do? And so I thought that we should take that a step further and, and actually change that to WDJD. What is that? What did Jesus do? And see, if you look at what did Jesus do and do it, then you can model his behavior. You can model his character. And so it's looking at the life of Jesus. It's studying what he did and how he lived, how he expressed himself in this earth as a servant leader. And when we truly begin to understand that, that becomes our model. And then we can become a model of that to other believers as we disciple them, as we bring them into an understanding of what Christianity is all about. Because that's an important element of of being a believer, being a follower of Jesus, is to be his disciple and to disciple others. Jesus said, we're to go into all this world and make disciples. A disciple is simply like a a student. Uh, It's a disciplined follower of, of Jesus. Really, that's what a disciple is. 1 Thessalonians 2.10 states, You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. In other words, Paul and his team were models to the Thessalonians in their conduct of what it really meant to be a true follower of Christ. And so that's a call, that's a commission on our lives as well. Because you see, so much of phony Christianity has turned so many people off. People want what's real. They want what's true. You know, I, I can remember working at a mobile home factory. And some of you I maybe shared this some time ago, but some, most of you probably didn't hear this story. But I worked at this mobile home factory, and I was a, a lead man over the final finish department. And so I had probably seven or eight people that worked directly under me. And I was only like... 19 years old, I was a young man, and I was in that position working there. Now, there were times as, as lead men or as, you know, in the supervisory role that we, we worked, we were required to stay overtime. And so one of the guys, and this sometimes would happen four days a week, sometimes five days a week. And so it's like, okay, just a routine thing. And so one of the guys would go off and get a, six, a couple six-packs of beer. And can you imagine they allowed us to drink on the job? I mean, that was crazy. But they'd bring these six-packs, and they would always offer one to me. And all these other guys, oh, come on, Matt. You know, one little beer won't hurt you. And I said, no, I, that's the conviction. I'm a Christian. I, I choose not to drink. And, and, and so uh, one time, this guy that would go pick up the beer, he came back with a Sprite. He said, hey, I got you a Sprite because I know you won't drink the beer. And I said, well, that's so kind of you. Then he said, come here. And he, we walked away from the rest of the guys. He said, I, Matt, I just want to tell you something. You know, I know I probably irritated you with all these other guys. We get on your case all the time. We're picking on you. We're challenging you. But you know what? You never gave in to us. And I really respect you for that. In fact, if you would have accepted a beer from me, I would have been disappointed in your Christianity. But you really stand up for what you believe. And, and you know, you, at that moment, you know, I felt, wow, this feels so good. Because I knew I was an, being an example to that man and to others that would probably not admit it. 
And so, so often we're making a difference and we don't realize the difference we're making in people's lives. And that's just one little example of, of really living at a higher standard. And, and really that's what Christianity is. It, it's a higher standard that we have for our lives that really reflects the righteousness of God, his character, right? Okay? So as disciples of Jesus, we were called to serve rather than condemn. And so, so often Christians can get in that condemning mode where they're condemning rather than serving. But you're not going to win somebody by condemning them, will you? But you, be, you begin to step in the servant's role. Jesus came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He, he really did. He didn't come to condemn. In fact, he stated that. I didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through me. Okay? So sometimes Christians can be so condemning. And that's a big turnoff for a lot of people. Now, we, that doesn't mean we shouldn't condemn sin. We should take issue with that, but we shouldn't condemn people. Okay? There needs to be the distinction where we separate the person from the problem, the sinner from the sinner. That's what Jesus did. That's the beauty of the cross. He separated man from sin so that he could judge the sin and save the sinner. Okay? Now, really, when we are to model Jesus' example, we see that Christ-likeness is our goal. And let me just ask you a question. What does Christ-likeness mean to you? What does Christ-likeness mean to you? In Romans 8.29, we see an interesting passage which reads, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. In other words, he's the, he's the prototype. He's the one that was set out there. But then we, as his followers, are to be conformed to the very image of his Son, thereby taking on his very nature, his likeness. And so that, and it's interesting, you know, in the early church, the word Christian, you know, that was given to believers in the early church, not by the church themselves, but by the world, by the unbelieving world. They called believers Christians, the scripture says, first at Antioch. Why? Because they recognized the Christ-likeness that they bore, that they carried, that they modeled. They recognized that Jesus was being lived out through their life. And so that, that's significant, and that's also a call to us. Uh, because people may not have a, a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, but they may have a face-to-face encounter with you, and you are to express and demonstrate and reflect Jesus to them, okay? All right, so... There's a scripture, and I love this because the Apostle Paul, I really think, captures the essence of his life in Christ. It's in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. When we see that phrase, we see the Apostle Paul identified himself with Christ in his crucifixion. So that when Jesus was crucified, Paul says, I too have been crucified with him. He identified with Christ in his crucifixion. It goes on to say, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, so that means he's physically alive in this earth, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, What a powerful statement. What a powerful and profound image we see 
of the Apostle Paul and how he walked, how he lived. We need to adopt that. We need to embrace that for ourselves. And the Philippians chapter 1 says, for me to live is Christ. He also made those type of statements. And so when we live, Christ should have free and total expression to our lives to impact the world around us. Yeah. So the hands of Jesus did the work and his feet took him to the places where he could minister. Now it just happens that his hands... And his feet are here on the earth in us. See, Christianity is called, uh, calls us to a higher standard. And I like the phrase lifestyle evangelism. Uh, and that is living a life that bears a witness so that others are drawn to Christ, are drawn to you so they can hear the gospel. Because people have come to me. I, I can remember working at that trailer factory because I, I was determined to be a witness to everyone there. In fact, I used helpers. I used these little, they call them chick tracks. I don't know if they still publish them. Any of you have seen the chick tracks, chick publications? They had all these little tracks with little stories, little testimonies, but they were like comic book. And I used to like reading comics all the time. And so for me, that was great. And I'd pass these out to all the other workers at the factory. And they'd pick up these chick tracks and they'd read them. And, and, you know, the gospel was presented through these tracks. A track is basically a publication that helps share the message of the gospel. And so all these guys would come up to me, hey, you have any new ones? And so, you know, I, I inundated that factory. I'd put them in bathroom stalls and, and different things. And, and then one time I can remember going in there and, 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 and somebody had engraved on the wall, Jesus saves. And I said, oh, okay, you know, that's interesting. And then I uh, went back there a couple weeks later, and underneath Jesus saves was at First Credit Union or something like that, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, but, you know, so when I was, I think I lost my train of thought here. But <laughs> I have to connect, reconnect here. But uh, with being at the factory, there was a time that, I would be around somebody, and, and they would start cursing, and they turn and notice I was there, and they said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were there. And so there was like conviction in their life because of what I was representing and how I was living out Christ before them. And I just tell them, I said, don't apologize to me, apologize to him. You took his name in vain, not mine, you know? And so, uh, and I can remember then people when they were going through problems, they'd come to me and they'd say, would you pray for me? I'm going through a difficult time. And I, I was able to have opportunities to pray with people to, to come to Christ and, and lead them into a place where they could come to know God's love for themselves. And so we are a living witness wherever we go. Now, John 20, 21, and I want to get through this. We have a little bit of time left here, but in John 20, 21, the scripture reads, Jesus said to them, this was after the resurrection. He meets with his disciples and he's commissioning them. And in the, the last times that he, he's physically on this earth before the ascension, he says, Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the father has sent me. Even so I'm sending you. Think about that. As the father sent me, even I'm sending you. So what Jesus was saying to his disciples, to those who follow him, he said, I'm giving you a commission to take what I begun to do in this earth and to send you out to this world to do what I did. Not that we can save the world, 
but that we can present the message of salvation to the world, okay? Because none of us can die for the sins of anyone, but Jesus died for the sins of all, okay? And so now understand, because this implies that we need to be doers of the word, not just hearers. James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. To stop defeating yourself, you have to stop deceiving yourself. You have to tell yourself the truth. You cannot deny the truth or run from it. And so, and, and realize that truth is not diminished by the number of people who believe it and live it. Truth isn't going to go away. It's, it's there. It's tangible. It's eternal. Okay? But we need to live out that truth. And to be able to protect ourselves from deception, we have to be a doer of the word. We need to do what we know to do, what the word says to do. If the Bible says love your neighbor, then you need to love that neighbor, even though that neighbor might not be pleasant to love. And we've had challenges over the years with neighbors, but, you know, we, Deb and I, we purpose, we're going we're gonna to just pour on the love. We're not going to let the, you know, any hatred or any anger or any negative things get the best of us. We're going to pour out the love on them, and we want our neighbors. You know, so love is greater than hate, right? Okay? Love is greater than animosity and jealousy and all those things. So what is... Christ-like character. See, that's something you need to define. Um, realizing that worry, envy, bitterness, jealousy, guilt, anxiety, that's not part of Christ-like character. Hatred, any negative attribute, that's not part of Christ-like character. And I wanted to pose this question to you because, you know, we are to be a living witness for Jesus in this earth. And if you were called to a court of law, and you were to be tried to determine whether or not you are a Christian, and you were standing before a jury in this trial, let me ask you the question, is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian by the testimony of those who have lived with you, worked with you, and, and, and seen and been around you? Is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? If not, uh, you got to step it up. You really have to step it up. Because, you know, people, if you're that secret service Christian, secret agent, I'm a believer and nobody knows it. I'm a secret service Christian. You know, uh, I miss by. I'm just here. You know, you know if you're a witness, what does a witness do? If we're, if we're his witness, a witness testifies. You know, we're, and we testify not just with our words, but with how we live. Your life is a testimony, okay? All right. Now, number three. I'm going to give you point number three. We're going to move on. This is a little different. It's a different point. It's a question I'm posing to you. Are you a well-doing seeker? Well-doing hyphenated word. Seeker. Or a self-seeker. We fit in one or two, or one of these categories. A well-doing seeker or a self-seeker. If we look at Romans chapter 2, verse 6 through 8, we read, it says, He will render to each one according to his works. 
Now we understand that there is, there is a judgment that we will all stand before God. We're going to be judged for what we've done in this time on the earth. Now there's, there's two aspects of a judgment. There's a judgment seat of Christ, which is reserved for believers. And that's not a judgment that determines whether we go to heaven or hell. That's a judgment that determines what rewards we receive for how well we served in this earth, okay? And so uh, understand that we will face and come under the scrutiny of God's judgment. So it goes on to say, for those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. Verse 8, but for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. So there's a contrast between those who accept and those who reject. Now consider what side you are on. Are you a well-seeker, well-doing seeker, or a self-seeker? Well-doing seekers seek to obey the truth and have given their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. They've surrendered to him, to his lordship. Self-seekers refuse to obey the truth. They, in fact, reject it. They have no desire to serve God because they're consumed with self. They just want to live their lives to serve and please themselves. And, and, and you know, it's important to understand the scriptures all have sinned. And, and in this place today, maybe you're here and you've never really made a meaningful commitment to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've gone to church. Maybe you've heard the gospel. But maybe you've never accepted the gospel and received it as truth. Because if you receive it as truth, it has the potential and the power to transform your life. And I don't know about you, but I don't want my life to stay the same. I want my life to be transformed by the power of God. And his power is more than capable and able to bring transformation. You may not like yourself. You may not like where you're at right now. You may not like the circumstances you're in right now. But God is a transformer. God can take our life and make it into something significant. To take out the hurt, the heartache, the pain, the shame. And to infuse us with his divine nature. Salvation and serving God is, is, is so much bigger than any of us can really fully comprehend. But yet, there's an offer that God's extending to us today to receive his life, to receive his forgiveness, to receive his nature. In Romans 3, 23 and 24, the scripture says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. There's no one that has lived good enough to be able to save themselves. It's impossible. In verse 24, it goes on to say, and are justified by his grace as a gift to the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's understanding that God has extended to us the gift of salvation through Jesus. A gift is not something you can work for. A gift is not something you necessarily deserve. It's not something you earn. It's something that's freely given by the one who desires to bestow that gift. And God has desired to bestow the gift of forgiveness, the gift of salvation, redemption. In Romans 5.12, the scripture says, Therefore, just as sin came into this world 
through one man, that's referring to Adam, and death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sin. So sin is a problem in the earth. It's a human problem. But we have a remedy. We have an answer for it. In Romans 5, 17, going down later in the chapter, the scripture reads, For if because of one man's trespass, that's, that's Adam, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus came to turn the table. Jesus came to fix the mess. Jesus came, the one man, Adam, that messed it all up. Jesus came to get it right. And so Jesus extends to us this gift of righteousness. Righteousness means the ability to live right, to stand before God without sin. That's a gift because Jesus bore our sin. Let's stand up together. And I want you this morning to bow your heads and I want to extend to you a, an offer for those of you that may not have ever really surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ and accepted his gift of grace and the gift of righteousness so that you can reign in this life through Jesus. That's a gift that's available for you. If you're here and you say, Pastor, you know, I don't know that if I were to die today that I'd go to heaven. There's fear, there's doubts, there's questions I have. Well, if you have a question or there's uncertainty, my invitation to you is, are you willing to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Are you willing to accept him today? Are you willing to make your peace with him today? If that's you, just slip your hand up and we're going to pray in a moment. If you're here and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I know my life is not right with God. There's concerns. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the love of Jesus. And thank you for the plan of redemption. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I receive him now as my Savior, as my Lord, as the one who redeemed me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. I believe you died for me, and I believe you were raised from the dead to give me new life. Lord Jesus, accept me as your child. Make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you pray that prayer sincerely, something is transpiring right now. Now, for many of us to pray that prayer again, it only reinforces what we've received from God, right? It only makes it more real and tangible. And so this morning, as, as we leave this place, I want you to remember that your actions speak louder than words, right? And also that you are a model for Jesus. You're an example to the world and those you encounter. You're an example of Jesus to them. So be a good one, okay? And then finally, determine to be a well-doing seeker rather than the self-seeker. And that requires you to, to put self aside 
for a greater purpose, to serve the purpose of God for your life. And so I want to close in another prayer to help you, a prayer for God to empower us to be his hands and feet this week, okay? So that we can go out there and make a difference and really represent Jesus Christ to a world that doesn't know him. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that you would use us as your hands and as your feet to engage with a world that doesn't know you so that we can begin to make inroads and reach and plant seeds, Father, that can inspire others to come to a saving knowledge of who you are, to come to know you, to experience your peace, your forgiveness, your love. In Jesus' name, we pray. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.